thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Doing well? Hey, I just want to shout out Chris Stein and his leadership on The Future is Radiant. It's been fantastic. Um, and maybe if you're new to Radiant and you're like, what's going on? Let me orient you just a little bit. Uh, we're a portable church. Maybe you're like, I had no idea. We actually have an entire team that lo- loads in at 6 a.m. every Sunday morning. Everything you see, all the kids' rooms, all of this behind me, it all gets loaded in and then it gets loaded out at the end of the day. And we are believing God that it's time for Radiant to move into a permanent home. Amen. Amen. The reason why, yeah, let's, yes, amen. The reason why that's important, though, is not so that we can do less work. It's actually so that we can do more kingdom work. Right now, so much of our energy goes in just being portable. We have dreams in our hearts. Pastor David and Renata have vision that goes on for days, you guys, that we're not able to step into just yet because we're portable. And the Future is Radiant is our initiative to move Radiant into a permanent home so that we can continue to be faithful, we can pioneer again, and see God move in our city. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, we are in a series, just like Pastor David said, on the I am statements of Jesus. And I adore these seven phrases. And one of the things that's so incredible about Jesus is that in each one of these statements, no one of them diminish the others. So because he is the true vine, does not negate the fact that he is also our shepherd or that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the light of the world. All of them form this holistic image of Jesus that's so powerful. So as we look to Easter on Palm Sunday, Jesus heading into Jerusalem, being celebrated with palm branches, people crying out, Hosanna, here in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's this incredible moment to pause and go, let's look at one of his last I am statements, just 48 hours before he goes to the cross. In John 14, verse one, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is alive, it's living, God, that can speak to us today. So through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us that you would change us, that you would mature us and grow us into a clearer image of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever met somebody you follow on social media? So have you, like, just going through life, walking around, you've followed someone for some amount of time on social media, and you bump into them and you meet them. In the conversation, you're excited, right? Because you, like, you feel invested in this person. 
because you're spending time following them. You go up to them and you start the conversation and you are fired up. You are excited and you are telling them, man, I cannot, how, that, that was amazing when this happened or I can't believe, oh, that was so cool when your kids did this or man, how did that feel when this happened? And you just keep going and going and going and all of a sudden you pause to take a breath because you've been talking for a moment and it's, you look at them and you realize they have this blank expression on their face because they don't know you. But you know so much about them. And you were, you were like, wait, no, they should know me because I know them. But what we've done in our society is we've actually blurred the lines of knowledge and information. You see, there's a difference between knowing things about somebody and actually knowing them. So especially right now, because there's so much, so many people pay to have influence that what happens is in their, their efforts to fill our heads with knowledge, with information, we feel like there's this familiarity, but it's not really there because we don't actually know them. And it's so, it becomes so easy for us to create the illusion of relationship with the absence of it. And I think that's one of the traps that we can fall into if we're not careful, even as Christ followers. We can fall into the illusion of relationship without it being authentic, without it being real. And in each one of these I am statements, Jesus is giving us these little autobiographical snippets of his life, of who he is. So Jesus, in his kindness to us, is not saying, I don't want you to have to figure this out on your own. I am going to tell you who I am. Praise God for that. But here he is, and he's telling us this because he doesn't want just us to know about him. He wants us to know him. And why is this important? You see, because there's a direct link. There's a direct correlation between our confidence in knowing who Jesus is and our confidence in knowing what he can accomplish in our lives. So as our confidence in knowing who Jesus is goes up, so does our confidence in knowing that Jesus can and will accomplish what he wants to in and through our lives. So here we go. Let's jump into the verse. John 14, verse 1, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is a wild start to this verse because in just 48 hours, I just said it, just 48 hours from this moment, Jesus is going to be on the cross. So we have Jesus comforting his disciples when his disciples should be comforting him. This is, a, this is an amazing self-awareness of Jesus. He knows exactly the trajectory of his life is going. He knows exactly where he's at on this timeline. And yet, just 48 hours, two days before he's going to the cross, he's comforting his disciples. And then in verse two, he continues. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. You see, frequently in the gospels, you see Jesus give a command attached to a promise. So you see that same pattern here. Do not be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me, command, promise, in my father's house, there are many rooms. 
And then he goes on, if it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you about it. I wouldn't tell you that I'm going to go to prepare this for you. I'm going to come and take, you know, he wouldn't have went into all of this thing. It's command attached to a promise. And in that moment, we see Jesus's goodness. And what he's articulating when he's saying, in my father's house, there are many rooms. He's given us this window, this snapshot into what is accessible to us. You see, to Jesus, his father's house was not this theoretical concept. It was not a mental image. It was not the state of mind that you can be in. No, no, no. Heaven, his father's home, was a literal place that he had lived in for eternity past until the incarnation. So he had lived, he had been enthroned, seated at the right hand of the Father, worshiped, angels crying out, holy, 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 worthy, 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 for all eternity past. So this was not a theoretical concept that Jesus was trying to get us to understand. He is literally talking about a place. And I think the word Jesus uses when he's talking about his Father's house is so interesting to me. Because there's a different way that your Bible will translate it. Some says house, some says mansion, but the root Greek word actually calls it an abiding place. So Jesus is saying, with my father, there is an abiding place. And I'm going to go prepare it for you. And I'm going to go and prepare it, and then I'm going to come back to take you there. Sounds a little bit like the cross and the resurrection. Jesus is saying, I am preparing an abiding place for you. We desire this communion, this relationship with God, and Jesus is saying, I am preparing it. For us, I have prepared it. Jesus is giving us this context before preceding this I am statement. And we go in verse five, it says, and Thomas says to him, it's always Thomas, isn't it? This guy gets such a bad rap. Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? This is the doubting Thomas once again, right? Maybe. But maybe Thomas is just honest. Maybe Thomas just was willing to be honest and bring Jesus his questions in a way that, you know, our, our religious piety won't allow us to anymore. Because we're afraid if we ask a question, it means we don't know something. So Thomas is bringing Jesus this question, I don't know the way. Where are you going? I don't know how to get there. And Jesus answers him and says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, this is, so interesting to me because when Jesus says, I am the way, Jesus is the way, it's, it's so interesting because we've lost the concept of being lost. We don't know what it feels like to be lost anymore, right? Because it's, it's the moment you don't know where you're going, what happens? We pull out our phone. We say, hey, Siri, give me some directions. Hey, Google Maps, get me here. And it takes us exactly where we need to go. The entire concept of not knowing where we're at or where we're going is, is losing its impact on us. And on the surface, it looks like Thomas is asking a, a surface level question. He's asking for directions. He's saying, Jesus, give me directions. How do I get there? But my question today is, what if Thomas's question is deeper than that? 
What if Thomas's question isn't just a literal direction? I'm just asking for directions, Jesus. I don't know how to get there. What if Thomas, knowing the words Jesus was using in their original context, goes, Jesus, you're talking about an abiding place that you're preparing for me. You're talking about a place where I can find peace and rest for my heart. You're talking about a place in your father's house where I can have authentic communion and relationship with you and him. Jesus, I don't know the way to peace. Jesus, I don't know the way outside of my own anxiety or fear. Jesus, I don't know the way out of this situation or circumstance. I can't escape it on my own. What if Thomas is asking those questions? When Jesus looks at him and says, I am the way. But we're so terrified with asking the questions that we never get the real answers. Sometimes we're so terrified to bring Jesus our questions that we stop and we lose the actual dialogue it creates. So one of the most profound things about asking people questions is it creates conversation, it creates dialogue. You see, so when you ask Jesus a question, God, I don't understand this, can you help me? God, how do I do this? How do I get through this scenario or this circumstance, this situation? God, this is overwhelming me. I can't do it on my own. How can I make it? What is the way forward? When you bring your questions to Jesus, it gives him an opportunity to speak to you. So instead of going and getting a PhD on Google, we bring our questions to Jesus. And we say, Jesus, I don't know the way. We allow Jesus to say, I am the way. Because the peace that our hearts are longing for is only found in him. But so frequently we can fall into the trap of trying to become our own way. See, so what we do is we, we try to get the right title at our career, at our job, our workplace. We try to get the right bank accounts. We try to get the right address. We get the right house. We get the right social media followers. We get the right influence. We get the right thing. Whatever it is, if we achieve this social status, if we achieve this financial status, this health status, this, this family status, whatever it is, what happens is then we think that we'll find the peace of the abiding place. And without Jesus, it's impossible. So we're left trying to continually build these, our little own, little micro tower of Babels. We're trying to build our way to God on our own without him. And can I just tell you something? It's exhausting. It does not matter how hard you can work. It does not matter how diligent you are. It does not matter. It does not matter how smart you are, how intelligent. It doesn't matter any of those things. Eventually, it will break down because you were never meant to do it on your own. Jesus is the way. So I love it. Even at the end of this chapter, if you look at John 14, at the very end of this, in verse 27, it says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace we're longing for is found in the Prince of Peace. He is the way. There's no other way but Jesus. So when we're able to rightly identify Jesus as our way, 
what happens is all of the temptations to build our lives on our own, to amass, to achieve, to do all those things, which we can lock our eyes on Jesus. Say, Jesus, you are my way to peace. Because it doesn't matter what situation you're facing right now, eventually there will be a circumstance. You go, I cannot create peace in this environment, in this circumstance on my own. We are wholly dependent on Jesus to be the way to the abiding place. We are, he is the way. The solution our hearts are longing for is found in Jesus, in Jesus alone. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth. See, Jesus is the way to God because he is the truth of God. Jesus is God's just gracious self-disclosure of himself. See, look, Colossians 1.15 says, Paul wrote, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. If we wanna know what God is like, we look to Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Furthermore, in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word become flesh. So because Jesus is the way, because he is the truth, we're able to walk in the full knowledge of who he is. Can I, you, I always love it when science catches up to the Bible. Have you ever experienced this? This is amazing. So about a year and a half ago, the Wall Street Journal published an article on people who take one day off a week. And it's amazing. They said that if you just take one day off a week, that you're more rested, you don't get burnt out, you're more, um, you're more pro, uh, productive on the other six days of, of your life. That's amazing, isn't it? I just stopped and I looked and I was reading this article and I went, thanks for catching up. It is. It's amazing. Why? Because God created it. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. If you rest on the sa your Sabbath, that God can do more with the rest. It's this amazing principle. Also, just a few weeks ago, I read a different article. It says this. It says, even more recently, people who attended church regularly, they didn't define that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you judge yourself on that, who attended church regularly, have higher levels of mental and emotional health, their lives have higher fulfillment, and their marriages last longer. Sometimes I'm shocked that we even have to have articles about this. <laughs> Look, of course. Why? Because we've been living with the truth. We know the truth. And as we know the truth, we apply the truth, we walk in the truth, the way, the truth, and all of a sudden, our lives can be transformed by his grace. You see, in John 8, 31, Jesus says this. It says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I want to hit pause on this for a moment and just look at that first half real quick, because there's an important word there. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if you, the truth in and of itself does not set you free, but knowing the truth is what sets you free. You see, there's a difference between amassing information and knowing, in this sense, in a, in a relational terminology of having personal knowledge. It is not the fact book. It is the relationship. 
See, to know is not to be intellectually informed about some abstract principle, but to apprehend and experience the reality of the truth, to have firsthand experience it, experience with it. So because we have access to know the truth, we can move beyond the abstract. Like, listen, we all live in Kansas City, the home of the, the best barbecue in the world. So if I just told somebody about burnt ends, they would be like, I kind of get it. Maybe. But if I bring them to Kansas City and I said, here's a plate of burnt ends, then all of a sudden, because they've experienced it personally, their life has been transformed. That's what we're talking about with the truth. It is, it is not just knowing about it and having information about it and saying, yes, I know, baby Jesus on Christmas, Jesus on the cross, Jesus rise from the dead. I get it. I got it. I'm good. No, 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 no. That's fact book. And that's all important. And it's wonderful. And it's marvelous. But if you stop at the fact book, you will miss knowing the truth. So if we can attune my, our ears and our hearts to know the truth through spending time in his words. Listen, if Jesus is the word become flesh, the number one mechanism for you to spend time with Jesus is going to be spending time reading your Bibles. <gasps> not a podcast, not a YouTube video, not Googling something, but actually spending time reading your word conversational. Jesus, you're the word become flesh. Speak to me. What do you have to say to me today? We can know the truth because Jesus is the way, because he is the truth. He can be the life. Jesus is the life. I love in John 10, 10, Jesus says that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Can we stop there for a moment? Like just the statement of Jesus is not that they just, he came to give us life, but to give us an abundant life. This is, in my opinion, this is like over the top Jesus. This is, you're doing more than what you have to, Jesus. Jesus came to save us from our sins so that we can enter into a relationship with God. That's, that would have been enough. But it's not just enough for Jesus He's saying, no, 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 I'm going to be the way, I'm going to be the truth, and I'm going to be the life. And when I say life, it is an abundant life. It is a fulfilled life. It is a prosperous life. It is a fruitful life. It is a life that has intimacy with God and impact on the earth. The emphasis throughout John's Gospels over and over again is this, is you cannot separate Christ's words and his works, for both come from the Father and reveal the Father. Everything that Jesus says, everything that Jesus does reveals the Father. So if he's saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one can come except through me. He's saying, listen, I am the way to peace. I am the truth. I'm the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what real truth is, you find it in me. And I am the life. Listen, you can be content with getting by or you can press into a relationship with Jesus to live an abundant life because those are two very different things. He gives us an abundant life, a full life. I love how A.W. Tozer said it. He said that God has a voluntary relationship with everything he's made. 
Sometimes we, we think Jesus treats us as obligatory. Like, you're God, God is love, you have to love me, so I'm banking on that. You know what I mean? I'm, gonna just, I'm just gonna depend on, like, really, you don't really like me, but I know you're God, so you have to love me, so I'm just gonna depend on that. No, 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 no. No, no. He has a voluntary relationship with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to dialogue with you. He wants to have conversation with you. He wants to, when you're opening your word and you're reading your Bible, he wants to speak to you. He wants to, when you're praying in your car and your way to work and these little five second quick hitter prayers, not like, I'm not saying you're going to spend two hours on your car ride. You, you know, you're just driving around the block for four hours. I'm saying like on your everyday life, when you're just, I'm throwing these prayers up to God and I'm going to tr- create a constant dialogue with him. He wants that relationship with you. That you're not bothersome, but you're actually blessing him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In an age where we are constantly told there are so many different ways to find life. There's so many ways. Jesus says, I am the life you're looking for. I just love that Jesus came to give you life. He came to give me life. You know, I think another trap we fall into is we paint these macro macro images of God. Oh yeah, he came to save the whole world. That's, that's, he did. But he also came to save you. And I think if we miss out on the personal intimacy, the relational side of this, we can just fly by Easter, fly by Good Friday, fly by Palm Sunday, and just move on to the next holiday. He can give you life. You see, everyone has a story. Everyone has a testimony. So often, I think we, we get the, we, our minds hooked in these quadrants, right? We try to compartmentalize things and we go, okay, well, um, he came to give me life. And, but, you know, I don't have a really great testimony story. It's this or it's that. And, you know, that person, they got a super testimony story. I got like a, I got like a C plus testimony story, you know. Um, and we kind of, we just try to like, Push it away, like, or downplay it, like it's no big deal. Or because, hey, we gave our life to radiant, and we gave our life to Jesus and radiant kids, and we've never walked away. Man, that is an amazing testimony story. Versus, hey, I was hooked on heroin and I came in and gave my life to Jesus last week. Well, that's an amazing story. Guess what? They're both awesome. You know why? Because when you you when you get it all down to the foundation, here is every single one of our stories that we were dead in our sins, and now we're alive in Christ. So it doesn't matter what your story looks like, sounds like, plays out in the mental movies that you make in your mind. What matters is this, is that you were dead in your sin and now you are fully alive in Christ. And not only are you fully alive, not only did he give you life, he came to give you life to the full. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. We can't allow ourselves to get hooked up into comparing ourselves to others because it's just this, this exhausting exercise of going, oh, I got, uh, well, Mother Teresa's here. You know, she's living, she was living in the slums and taking care of orphans in Calcutta and got Hitler over here. I'm somewhere in between. Uh, maybe I'm around Chip and Joanna Gaines. I may be on a good day. Like, and we're trying to like place ourselves in this like sliding scale of morality, but no, no, no. There's no one righteous, the Bible says. No, not one. God gave to give you life. 
So no matter where you want to try to place yourself on this scale, we're all over here. And by the grace of God, we can step into a life that he gives us. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Verse six, Jesus said to them, I'm the way, I am the truth, and the life. And I love this little add-on sentence that he gives us here at the very end. Because in my mind, this is just Nathan's holy imagination happening right here. Because Thomas was a question asker, right? So we know he's asking questions. And I almost think Jesus puts this sentence in there for Thomas's benefit. So, because I think Jesus could have been addressing the follow-up question. Thomas goes, Jesus, I don't know the way. How do I get to this life that you're talking about? Jesus goes, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The follow-up question would be, is there another way? And I think Jesus in his kindness, and I don't know this, again, this is my imagination speaking, but I think Jesus in his kindness is addressing the question that Thomas didn't get the chance to ask. And he's saying, no one can come to the Father except through me. I am singular, the way. Singular, the life. Singular, the truth. And in that moment, we get this perfect image of Jesus bringing us close to him. Same way the shepherd would bring the sheep to the place of peace and rest. The same way Jesus, the light of the world, shines the truth into every situation. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Jesus is the way to the abiding place. Our, our hearts long for a peace that we cannot articulate. We long for things that we can't even verbalize because this world is not our home. And Jesus is saying, I am the way. We're constantly pinged back and forth with news cycles and information and, and posts and apps and feeds and all these things that just want to ping pong our brains, our minds all over the place, filling us with information and Jesus saying, I am the truth. And Jesus is the life. There's not a single person in this room that wouldn't say, I want to live a fulfilled life life. That only happens through Jesus. Everything else is temporary. Everything else will fade. Jesus is the way to a fulfilled life. If you would, I'd like you to bow your heads with me just for a moment. Even as you're here today, If you say, man, that's, I want that. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. I, wanna, I want Jesus to be my way. I want to shift this from information that I maybe have in my head, and I want to step into a, a real relationship with Jesus today. I realize that I can't put myself on this scale of morality that my sin made me dead, but in Christ, I can have life. 
And if you want to begin your relationship with Jesus, if you want to cross that line of faith, cross that line from death into life, if that's you today, I just want you to raise your hand just right where you're at. Amen. 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 As a church family, we want to come around and we want to all pray this together. So as you stuck your hand up in the room, online, we're just going to pray this prayer out loud together as a part of the family of God. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the dead. So I give you my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen.